This is the podcast of North Church of God in St. Joseph, Missouri. Let's join Pastor David as he shares biblical truths and insights that will enhance your weekly Bible study. All right, it's another Sunday night, live from our couch. We just uh, got home from being on the road for a few days, and we um, are putting up a throwback script sermon. I can't talk English words. (laughs) We're putting up a throwback sermon for you this week since we were not at North Church this week. We actually had Pastor Garen or my dad uh, preaching a pretty cool sermon. Uh, So if you want to catch that, I don't have the audio for it to put on the podcast. You can actually go to northcog.com and see the whole live, the whole live service. Uh, including his sermon. So if you want to check it out, go do that. Uh, But here we are tonight, and we actually recorded the sermon that we've posted uh, back in January. Can you really call that a throwback? It is. And they're like, it's got to be 10 years old or something before you call it a throwback? Not necessarily. It's a throwback in my, it's a throwback a couple months. Okay. Uh, Maybe just like like a look back. Or a rewind. A look back. A... <laughs> well, some of these people may not, they might not have been there on that day. They might just be stumbling across this podcast. And so in that case, it might not be a throwback well, at the, all. I was going to say, for them, it's not a throwback. It's just a new message. <laughs> we're just, we're, we're experimenting with, you know, catchphrases. But uh, the, the bottom line is, this was recorded back in January. Uh, and actually, you uh, focused a lot during this time and even still on how to read and how to study the Bible. And this specific one was how to study the Bible. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to mention, if anyone is interested, is Tuesday nights you had been doing lives on the Facebook page, which if you go to northcog.com, that'll take you to our Facebook page. And the lives consisted of you going through how to actually study the scriptures that we were um, looking at down to, you know, the meanings of words and kind of how to take notes and how to make markings. And one of the big things is like you can write, you can mark in your Bible. And sometimes a lot of people, I don't think they feel like they could. I actually have a Bible that I do not mark in because it's like my, it's my good Bible. Like that Bible that used to sit on the coffee table. If you grew up in a Christian home, the Bible that used to sit on the coffee table in the living room that weighed 500 pounds and nobody was allowed to touch because that was the good Bible. No, I take, I take that one with me like to like actual services Mm because it's my Lee Bible. I mean, I I paid good money for that Bible. Yeah. (laughs) My college education. You went, you went to Bible college (laughs) and graduated and they gave you a Bible along with a diploma. And so, yeah, we say Uh, that's the $60,000 Bible. Yeah. But no, it, it, if people are listening to this recap, then most likely you've already listened to the sermon and we're going to break down yes. in more detail some of our personal reflections on on the message. But the, the, the larger concept is, listen, if you talk to any successful athlete, right? And, and if, you, if you were to interview Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant or any, you know, any of these guys, uh, and you ask them, how did you get where you are? They're, they're all going to tell you fundamentals. Mm. You've got to practice the fundamentals. And there's never a point in your life when you'll get away from the fundamentals. You'll build on the fundamentals. You'll learn more advanced skills, and you'll incorporate those things. But it all comes back to the fundamentals. Same thing, look, you can scroll your social media feed, and you see all this advice from wealthy businessmen from people who are very successful in their industries. Yes, they had a unique idea. Yes, they had tenacity and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, they'll break it down and they'll say, listen, business is these basic concepts. (laughs) It's these three things. And if you don't understand these three things, you're just not going to succeed. Go back to the drawing board. So the principle is, is very much the same when we talk about the Christian life. 
And there are some fundamentals, some fundamental practices that God gives us in order to uh, strengthen our faith, to help us become more like Christ, and to succeed in this thing that we call the Christian life. And so one of those fundamentals is, is reading and studying the Bible. But the challenge, I think, for a lot of people is they've been told to read and study the Bible, but they haven't been taught mm. how to read and study the Bible. And so this is just one message that was part of a larger series. And as you mentioned, uh, we've done some other things mm -hmm. like the online Bible studies to try and teach and model and actually show you how you can read and study the Bible successfully, regardless of your background, your education level, your intelligence. Uh, and one of the big things I'm sure we're going to end up talking about and highlighting is the fact that if you're a Christian, God wants you to understand the Bible. Mm -hmm. He wants you to succeed at knowing his word so that you can live his word and put it into practice. But, but it's all about the fundamentals. And reading and studying your Bible, absolutely one of the fundamentals of the Christian life. Yep. And one of the things, um, and I don't remember if you said it during this particular sermon, that I feel like you've said before in this kind of series of sermons, is you read, when you read the Bible, you should read it like a book. Mm -hmm. And you don't open a book up in the middle and read a few pages or a chapter and then like skip to the back and then go back. It's something that should be read cover to cover yeah. for greater understanding. Yeah, it wasn't this particular message. It was yeah. the previous message. And you're right, I've said it a number of times. Because it is, there, there are a number of um, mistakes that people mm -hmm. understandably make when they approach the Bible. But what's wild is we make those mistakes when we approach the Bible, but they're not mistakes that we do with any, anything else. Right, you you would never you would never open up any other book and say I'm going to read page 125. <laughs> yeah, and then say, well, I think I'll jump back to page 26. You'd never be able then, to follow the story. Absolutely not. You would never read a cookbook that way. You mm -hmm. would never read your favorite novel that way. You never you would never read a math book that way. Right. right. You would start at the beginning. You would work your way through to the end, and not only that, but you wouldn't piece it together. You would look for the whole the whole story. You would look at how everything connects with one another, how one thing leads to the next, a, a beginning, a middle, an end, and it's all part of one big story. Well, look, that that's the story of the Bible. Mm -hmm. The Bible has one big story that it's telling from beginning to end. It's made up of a lot of smaller stories, but they all connect together to try and paint this this bigger picture for you. So yeah, that's the that's what you're talking about. That's one of the biggest uh, things that I tell people when they're first starting out is is to always remember that the Bible is a book, a book of books, but it still has this one larger story it's trying to tell. Yeah. And another thing to keep in mind too, because I think people sometimes like look at pastors or biblical scholars and think, well, I can never make it to that level of understanding scripture. And let me tell you, I don't even know how many times I've read the Bible through in my life and have taken Bible courses and all that stuff. And I still read through the Bible and think, oh my goodness, I forgot that was even in there. I don't remember reading that. And, you know, and then it, it's kind of like an onion. You peel back the layers and you find things in the, in the deeper layers of scripture that you may have missed the first time. And so, you know, regardless of where you're at in starting to read scripture, understanding that every time you read it, you're going to have a different experience of it. And, yeah. and even people that have studied scripture and have read through scripture many, many times, have that same sort of experience. Look, for it, the, the statistics tell us that on average, uh, most Christians in the United States today, based on their answers to surveys, haven't even read it once. Mm -hmm. so, so that's where I'm coming at yeah. this a lot, is I'm just trying to encourage people to just read, read it. Just read it once. <laughs> read it once. 
so that you know what it says yeah. so that you know for yourself what it says now at this sermon that we're going to be talking about you know assumes that you have either started reading the bible or that you have read it through mm-hmm. and most likely if you have actually read the bible and and read it through you're going to be scratching your head you're going to mm-hmm. see okay now what was that all about and so reading it is not enough right you want to move then beyond reading it to studying it to to seeking to understand what it actually means and what that larger story is and how all the pieces fit together and then of course how it applies to your own life and that is the process of the christian life it, it it's not read it that was nice put it on the shelf but right. it becomes very much a part of your life and a part of your journey to be um, constantly and consistently stuck. Listen, we don't just believe that the Bible is a book. We believe it is the book. Mm-hmm. I mean, we believe it is a, and look, even if we don't believe it, the Bible claims about itself. Mm-hmm. So you either believe the Bible or you don't about its claim that it is a divine revelation from the creator of the universe that God himself authored this book as a message to humanity. And so when you look at it from that perspective, what we would say through the eyes of faith, then then this becomes this becomes a treasured communication. Mm-hmm. Think about <clears throat> think about heaven forbid your your mother or your father has passed away. And, and what if you found out there was one last letter out there, one last letter that they had written to you? How much would you want to get a hold of that letter? And when you did, I don't care what it says. I don't, I don't care if it was uh, a love letter to you. I don't care if it was a recipe for goulash. I don't care if it was just their grocery list. Wouldn't you read that thing over mm-hmm. It'd be and valuable. over and over again mm-hmm. just to see the handwriting, just to hear their voice in your mind mm-hmm. as you're reading their words, just to imagine what they were thinking as their pen was gliding across the page. Look, this isn't ju- it's a book. It's not mm-hmm. less than a book, but it's more than a book. It's the book. And so it's the kind of thing that we want to read, reread, savor, study, Uh, dissect, analyze, live, reflect on, meditate on, and put into practice. And this sermon was just one of many efforts to try and help you be more successful Mm -hmm. at that process. Yep. You said that the purpose of reading is knowledge and the purpose of studying is understanding. So, you know, that first pass, it's like, okay, so now I know what it says. Now I need to figure out what it means. Yeah, and of course, there's. I give an illustration uh, in the message about uh, bouncing up the laundry. And <laughs> listen, if you're listening and you knew what bouncing up the laundry Please meant, tell me. Leave a comment. Yes. You're going to make my wife feel much Please better about herself. Send us a message some way, somehow. Send a carrier pigeon because I really need. You know, she some, needs some backup. Yeah. She needs to know she's not the only one I mean, that came up with this. I need to this. feel like I'm not a goofball. No, the laundry, I yeah. know that my mom used that terminology, so at least <laughs> okay. one other person in the world okay. did. Well, there you go. I'm going to have to ask her where she heard that. But, yeah. but of yeah. course, the, the point of the illustration is that you, you can know something but still not understand what it means. Sure. You can read something but still not have an understanding of what it means and so there is a distinction between those things but we don't want to settle for just knowledge we we want to move deeper we want understanding or to give it another word we want we want wisdom right how do what what does this mean what does this mean for my life and and what is god really trying to say right yeah so the purpose of reading is knowledge the purpose of study is understanding and you talked about barriers to understanding the Bible. And, you know, I, the first one you said is unbelief. And at first I was kind of like, well, why would anybody that doesn't believe read the Bible anyway? But there are plenty of people out there that don't believe oh, and listen. read scripture sometimes as, as a, a means of, 
you know, having something to fight against. Like if they have a little bit of knowledge here, well, then now, they can use look, it. There, there are lots of people who come to the Bible, I would say, with a genuine interest. Inquisitiveness. And inquisitiveness, mm -hmm. e e even a desire to understand the Bible. But but they're not coming from a position of, of true faith. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't want to jump to the cynics and the atheists and all this kind of stuff. I really do feel that there are lots of people out there um, who, who have, who have, you know, from their perspective, genuine... yeah, from their perspective, they, they gave it a, a, a real shot. They sat down, they tried to get through it. Uh, maybe they even read through the whole thing. Um, but, but they still found themselves. It, it, it was like a, it was like a locked door that they just couldn't seem to, to get through. And so, uh, I'm, I'm trying to acknowledge, again, what Scripture says about itself, and I give references in the message. And I, I always encourage people to go back and read, make sure that I quoted properly, read it in context, meaning read it in the full chapter and within the book. You know, don't just take my word for it. Um, but the Bible itself claims that, that to, to understand the Scriptures, you have to come from a position of, of true faith. That means that the message of Jesus Christ has to have done some kind of transformative work in your heart and your mind. Uh, not that you now have access to some sort of secret knowledge, but, but because this is the consequence of sin and the consequence of unbelief is that it, it creates a blindness and it creates a blockage and it creates this kind of spiritual funk that you cannot get through on your own. It requires the assistance of God's Spirit um, that comes through faith in Jesus Christ and an acceptance of what we call the gospel, that you're a sinner, you need a Savior, Christ is that Savior, He's the only way. But, but when that transformative experience takes place in your life and that faith journey truly begins, then God promises to open up the understanding of His Word to you. So again, I'm, I'm, uh, yes, there are lots of people who will discredit the Bible and discount the Bible and ignore the Bible, ridicule the Bible. But I also believe there's there's this group of people out there. Maybe you really you really gave it an effort, but I don't want you to throw that Bible away just because you found yourself frustrated by it. I want you to revisit the message of Christ and revisit what we what we call the Gospels. And, and give that story another chance and see if it won't do something different for you. Yeah. You, you brought up several scriptures in this way, like 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Mm -hmm. So when you are not a believer, you don't have the assistance of the Holy Spirit to aid you in understanding Scripture. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of one of one of the key things about if you if you don't believe, you don't have that supernatural uh, help to uh, understand the Scripture. And so you you'd mentioned that to pray that God would open people's eyes, that people yeah. would come to believe, so that when they do pick up scripture they can have uh, that understanding of what scripture has to say so that it makes so much sense when you think about it from that vantage point of not having the the assistance of the holy spirit well, to look, aid you in understanding i mean god by definition is something completely foreign to us hmm. we have no point of reference we have no um we don't even exist on the same plane of existence or whatever. So, so just from a rational perspective, how, how would we ever think that we would be able to comprehend that which is of God, that which is divine, without His assistance? Yeah. But God in His grace, God in His mercy, and this was really my point in the message, this is good news for believers, good news for Christians. Yeah is that God makes it possible for you to not only read His Word, but for you to understand, understand. it. 
through the assistance of his Holy Spirit, through the teachings of the church, and, and through your diligence. So um, besides unbelief being a barrier to understanding the Bible, you listed sin as being a barrier to understanding the Bible. Um, and that was another one where I was like, yeah, because in some ways you kind of have scales over your eyes. And so you're not really seeing clearly when you read scripture in the first place. Well, and my, my uh, thought there, and again, you know, it's not about my thoughts. Hopefully my thoughts reflect the true teachings of Scripture. I mean, and you so, have plenty of Scriptures to, <laughs> to yeah, back it But again, up. <laughs> I, I'm always wanting to encourage uh, our, our listeners to then take these ideas and measure them against their own study of Scripture and see how things match up. But, but Scripture indicates that um, even as Christians... If, if if we are entertaining sin, and that was sort of the point I was making, you know, we, it indicates that we can still sin. That is very much a possibility uh, because of the daily struggle we experience with our human nature. But we have the, the power to overcome sin because of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. That's part of the benefit of being a Christian. Um, but when you are actively entertaining sin, when you are cultivating a sinful habit within your life as a Christian, it will affect the way you approach Scripture. Number one, you are far less likely to read Scripture because you know that you're going to be confronted with your sin. Yeah, scripture you. is like a mirror that, that shows you uh, your, your condition. And... Uh, and and even if you do approach Scripture, you will be more prone to try and avoid the passages that are going to deal with your sin. You might be tempted or more likely to read passages you could use to excuse your sin. And, and, the, and now you're twisting God's Word. Now you're manipulating God's Word. Now you're taking scissors and glue and you're cutting and pasting. And, and that's absolutely the last thing you want to do with something of divine origin is is mess with God's word. So again, rather than choosing your sin, you know, uh, we if you do go to the Facebook page, you'll hear Pastor Garen's message today, which is what if I sin? Mm -hmm. And the first thing he says is stop. Mm -hmm. At the point at the point that you recognize the fact that your attitude, your behavior, whatever the case that the condition of your heart is is unrighteous, stop what you're doing. Okay, drop to your knees and pray, and then get back on the right right road and, and roll on. Roll. And stop, drop, and roll. That's what his message was. <laughs> Go listen to that sermon. <laughs> and, and the same should be true in the context of, of reading. You'll experience the same kind of thing in your prayer life, mm. right? If you're entertaining sin, you, you, you'll, you can reflect upon your prayer life, and mm. you'll find you're either praying less or not praying at all. Uh, or you're praying very quickly and just trying to do it to check it off your list and run on to the rest of your day, Ra rather than prayer being the spiritual experience God means for it to be, where you're communicating with Him and He is working in your life, sin interferes with that. And, and it, it decreases your motivation to pray and read the Bible. Um, it inhibits communication between you and God. Uh, you're, you don't want to communicate to God and you don't want to hear from God. And, and so, uh, again, it's a barrier and you want to eliminate those barriers. So stop your sin, repent, ask for forgiveness. That way you can get back on the right road and keep growing and moving forward. Yeah. You think at times too, like in human interaction and in human relationship, when you feel ashamed by something you've done, sometimes you want to hide yourself away from those people oh, yeah. that you feel shame because of, you know, because of. So if you've offended someone <laughs> and, and you know it was your fault, you know, sometimes it's like you don't want to confront what you did wrong and you don't want to be confronted by it. So you kind of hide yourself and, you know, people, uh, people in our culture, 
are are um, so negative about shame. Mm. But the reality is sh- shame is meant to be a healthy tool. Mm-hmm. Used properly, shame is meant to, number one, help you know when something is wrong. Mm-hmm. And number two, motivates you to make positive to change changes. Yeah. You know, but what we have done is we've seen shame as, as a bad feeling. And so we've tried to eliminate shame as a feeling altogether. Well, you shouldn't feel ashamed for who you are, for what you've done. So what we've tried to do is we try to excuse ourselves and excuse one another rather than stepping up and saying, you know what, what I did was wrong and I apologize and uh, I'm going to continue to work to not do that again. Look, it, that's another reason we'll hold on to anger and bitterness mm-hmm. or we'll uh, hold on to fear and then try to excuse those things away, justify those things. Mm-hmm. When the reality is that's junk, you need to settle the, the matter and you need to get rid of the junk and you need to be able to move on with your life and move on in your relationships. And that's why it's such a big deal to people sometimes when they're like, don't judge me. Well, it's because they don't want to feel shame. Yeah, well, ju- don't judge me has become code for don't expect me to change. Yeah. I don't I don't want to confront this wrong thing in me. Uh so don't don't bring it up. Let's just gloss over it and move on and you know, I'll, let me do me. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that that's a dangerous way to live, especially from a spiritual place, and especially if you're wanting to live a godly life, like we should welcome having some conviction sometime so that we can pivot and please God better, you know, but instead we run away from that. um, And that really hinders our ability to understand truly what God is trying to teach us and show us in scripture. Uh, You brought up first John one six, and I'm actually going to read a couple verses past that. Um, It says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So a couple couple verses past that, uh, verse 6, and that was verse 7. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Uh, and so that just shows it's kind of like oil and water. You know, the two don't mix. Sin and truth, you can't mix those two oh, things yeah. together. Sure. Um, and so if there's sin, it's like truth is separate from you then. And so how can you gain true knowledge and understanding of scripture when sin and truth can't cohabitate? Um, and that's why you have to give the sin up to have the truth. You know, you can't have the two can't mix. There you go. Uh, and so I, when I was reading through that, I was like, wow, that, that makes such sense. Then you have to give up the sin in order to have full understanding of the truth. Um, and it's kind of an exchange in that way. Um, the other thing that you uh, said was a barrier to understanding the Bible, which I feel like is a no-brainer is laziness <laughs> like i just don't care to do the work to understand well look uh perhaps we've all been uh guilty of this to use this phrase but i mean let me put it to you this way i heard, I heard someone describe reading the bible as uh taking xanax <laughs> so all, all they all they described when you, when your only approach to the Bible is to open it up and uh, take sixty seconds and try and find something to make you feel good, you know, a verse to pep you up for the day, and then you you shut your Bible and you move on. Done. Done. You know, you're not really getting the big picture. Uh, you are definitely not reading things into context. And therefore, you are missing out on a significant piece. Mm-hmm. And you're not truly understanding the Bible. You're not understanding the Bible's purpose. You're not understanding the role of the Bible in the Christian life. You're not understanding God's message or what it is that he, he wants from your life. 
he's not, he, God does not exist just to make you feel better about yourself. God, God is God. He is to be praised. He is to be worshipped. He is to be obeyed. He is to be served and loved with every part of our life. And he is the object. He's the hero. <laughs> not us. Mm-hmm. You know, his love and his mercy is that he showers us with joy and peace and favor and with good things. Absolutely. But the nature of love is to focus attention on the other. As God loves you, you are to love God, not mm-hmm. yourself. So so the the temptation there is really to be lazy and and to to not do the work, to just expect it to be handed to you. you know? But the reality is anything in life that's worth having, worth doing, worth attaining, all growth requires challenge. All growth requires effort. You, know, you don't go to the gym for five minutes and expect that you're going to walk out with muscles. Right? If you're going to go to the gym, you got to put in effort. There's got to be resistance. You, you've got to be intentional and strategic mm-hmm. and consistent and thoughtful. It's not complicated, mm-hmm. okay, but it requires diligence. If you're going to build a business, if you're going to build a family, if you're going to prepare for retirement, look, anything in life, that's just the way that God created the world, right? That's the laws of nature as ordained by God. Why would we think scripture would be any different? He wants us to succeed. He wants us to understand. He's given us his revelation, but he expects us to do the work, study it, to be diligent, to be consistent, to learn proper ways of handling Scripture so that we can read it properly, understand it properly, and then put it into practice. Don't just be hearers of the Word, but be doers of the Word also. Part of, part of what I have in mind in talking about uh, that is, look, uh, all across these social media platforms, People are posting scriptures and taking them out of context. Now, sometimes they're taking it out of context to try and be encouraging or to mm. be uplifting. And, and I, I appreciate the intent. But a lot of times they're also taking these verses out of context and they're using them to try and undermine scripture, to try and... Um, uh, cast Christians in the Bible in a, in a bad light and this kind of stuff. And so regardless of what the intent is, whether it's to try and misuse Scripture in a positive way or whether it's misusing Scripture in a derogatory way, you as a Christian need both the knowledge and the skills, the understanding of the Bible to be able to look at those verses Put those verses back into context and understand for yourself what they really mean. So that's kind of what was in the back. And you can't do that on just 60 seconds a day, five minutes a day. You you can't do that from a lazy approach. It it requires diligence. Right. Um, So then uh, you went on to kind of give some practical sort of tips in studying scripture because the reading it is is for knowledge. What does it say? You know, and then the second uh, line is what does it mean? And so that's when you go into the study. And you said keep in mind, first of all, um, author's intent. Uh, who is the audience? Is it literal or is it figurative? Um, is it God speaking or is it a human writer? Um, so it, what what's the writing style? Those, those are things that you're kind of um, saying, hey, keep keep these things in mind. Thing, reading the Bible is really about self-discipline. And so when I've talked in the past about how to read the Bible, it's mostly tips about disciplining yourself. Um, set a time every day. Find a place where you're going to read. You know, put it on your schedule ahead of time. Commit to it. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. But at the point that you're now wanting to study and you're wanting to understand what it is that you're reading, um, I'm rec- I recognize 
that a lot of folks, um, even if they went through school, maybe even if they had college background, may or may not have been taught things that I was taught in my English class. Mm. Okay. Because again, we're talking about the Bible is a book God chose to communicate in this way, in the writing of a book, a book of books. And so, like all books, there are certain principles and certain techniques that can help you. Mm-hmm. And one of those uh, is, is the author's intent, is realizing that an author writes a book with an intention, with a purpose in mind to a particular audience. Um, and, and, uh, and the importance of recognizing that is, look, you can get a lot of stuff out of a book, but do you understand what the author wants you to get out of the book? Mm. You know, putting yourself in the author's position and paying attention to, to that is, is important. I I could read I could read any read any book I could read uh, only because I can't think of another relevant book for lack of a better example Harry Potter <laughs> right and 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 I could pull out a Harry Potter you know man this 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 uh, gives directions on how to get to Mars and and tells me how to build a starship and all this other kind of stuff I mean maybe it does. But I'm pretty sure that wasn't the author's intent. <laughs> now that's just again, this is me coming up with examples off right. the top of my head, not workshopping these things, right. uh, you know, well enough. But, but again, too many times we approach the Bible, and from from our modern day perspective, this is let's just be honest. This is why so many people are reading scripture right now and then getting on TikTok and saying things like. You know the Bible is all about uh, social justice, and and uh, this is why Jesus would never do this, that, and the other. Okay, maybe, but when you go back to author's intent, and you go, that wasn't even that wasn't even part of the mindset or the culture in that day and age. That they you you could say these things to them, and they would just blink at you and be like, "What are you talking about?" So I'm just saying the first task when you approach any book, but especially the Bible, is to give consideration to what was the author's intent, who's the audience that was first reading this book. Now, we believe the Bible has truth that is relevant for all times, but there are people who first read it. Genesis was written to a certain group of people. James was written to a certain group of people. Matthew was written to a certain group of people. So as a starting point, and again, there are a lot of good resources out there that can help supplement your your understanding of those things. Um, but it's something you want to pay attention to, and it's something that's going to help you as you read. And this is, this is another really good reason why studying with others can be beneficial mm-hmm. because i mean we we even go through this in our own personal reading of scripture is we'll stop at something like one of us will have a question and we can kind of give each other our insights based on what we've read or what we know and so sometimes it's good to be like okay if i if i'm not able to assess this out on my own get a study buddy you know like hey Let's sit and read scripture together and talk about it because you may hear a perspective that you didn't think about, you know, when it comes to even author's intent, you could ask each other the question, you know, who is the audience here? You know, who is, who is he talking to? Um, Is this literal or is it figurative? Um, And you and I do that for each other all the time. So if you, if you're finding it hard to study scripture on your own, don't be afraid of, you know, getting a friend. Iron sharpens iron. We heard it today. Uh, and so don't be afraid of, of, you know, getting together with other people and studying scripture. We do it in church all the time, but you can do it on your own. You can study scripture with, with friends on your own. Yeah, well, Christian friends. And, right. And, and if you have access to maybe a mentor or, yeah. you know, someone that's a little farther along the Christian journey, 
yeah. than you are um, absolutely because what you don't want is you don't want the blind leading the blind keep in mind also the big picture and this is something that um i'd never really actually heard anyone say until i met you and that is to read everything in context like we know that but do we i mean i knew that okay yes you know keep it in context yeah but Sometimes we, like you mentioned, we'd go to scripture to pull out something that would encourage somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I mean, just at least read a few verses before a few verses afterwards, gain some insight into what's actually being said there so that you're not using something that actually doesn't mean what you think it means. Yeah. The, it, it, again, it's a reminder that, um, the Bible is a book of books. It's, it's actually 66 books that have been compiled together. But they've been compiled in such a way that they tell a bigger story. And so it, a verse uh, is part of a larger chapter, which is part of a group of chapters, which is part of, part of a book, which, is, which comes before and after other books, which again is all part of the Bible. And by the way, Many, many people may not know that the Bible did not originally have chapters and verses. Right? The, those were added later for convenience, to make it easier for us to navigate and reference the scriptures. But in some ways, that is what has created the problem that we're having, is because once you put chapters and verses in there, it makes it a lot easier to isolate just a sentence or two and and uh, and when you do that, you run the risk of of losing the bigger picture. You know what would it look like if you were to take your favorite book and add verses to it? I mean, that probably would change your reading of your of your favorite mystery novel or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but but it, I'd it's... be able to tell my friend where my favorite part was. Well, there you go. It'd be a lot easier <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which is the reason that that they were added. So they're not a bad thing in right. any way. I'm not advocating we get rid of chapters and verses. I'm just trying to remind people that yeah, what you are reading is part of a larger story. Right. So try to always keep that in mind as you are reading. Right, and definitely before. You use it to encourage somebody else. <laughs> or discourage them. <laughs> or discourage them, yeah. Culture and history is another thing you said to keep in mind. Yeah. Now, I think sometimes people use this as an excuse yes. for certain uh, things. Again, all of these things you, you have to be careful. And, and, and again, people should, needs to be, need to be taught these things. So I hope that you're part of a local congregation. Uh, and hopefully you're part of a congregation that that um, pays attention to this kind of stuff and therefore can help you and assist you. But but yeah, there are a lot of things that are confusing to the modern mind because we just don't do things the same way that they were done in ancient times. And so uh, having taking the time to do some research and to study about ancient culture and about history can give you a better understanding to what was going on in Bible times mm -hmm. and why certain things mattered to them and why certain things didn't matter to them. And, and it'll help bridge that gap uh, in your understanding. I, I often talk about, you know, I often ask you, what, what do you think people are going to think of us in a thousand years when they oh, look my. back? You know, are they going to, are they going to have any idea, you know, why we did what we did or what this thing, look, forget about that, right? Is my daughter going to know what a tape player is? <laughs> we still use one. How, how many, well, yeah, now we do. How, how many, how many videos do you see of people um, taking their kids and showing them a rotary phone and they're like, oh, yeah. what is this? You know, or, or they play the, the sound. And they're like, oh, what is that? What is dial like, That's how we used to get on the internet. Sweetheart. That was so annoying. At okay, point. so look, you don't even have to wait a thousand years. Just wait ten years. Yeah. For people well, to be like, well, as quickly as technology is advancing, yeah, it's it's going to be quicker than we think. So, of course, the Bible was written th several thousand years ago, 
Um, and so it's an ancient text. Yeah. And, and so, of course, there's going to be a, a gap between um, our modern understanding, quote-unquote modern understanding, and, and what was going on in Bible times. So this is an opportunity, again, for you to research and study, and it's going to help you. Now, you know, we, we sometimes think about using culture and, under, uh, culture and history uh, as a means of, like, guarding us from certain misrepresentations of Scripture. But I remember it being so powerful to me when you started to give the cultural, historical um, kind of ways and means of betrothal. Mm-hmm. in scripture yeah and i like nothing has ever hit me harder like a ton of bricks than that did so we were we were going through and i'm not even sure if we have this uh actual audio recording but you're going through a kind of a series um during christmas and talking about um you know mary and joseph mm-hmm. and their betrothal and you know in our culture in our day and time, it didn't make much sense to think about, you know, well, they were betrothed to one another, but they weren't married yet, so they hadn't had any kind of, you know, physical intimacy yet. And yeah. so it, from our vantage point, it can be kind of confusing. But when you learn about the culture and history of that time and what the whole marriage process was, you gain a bigger understanding of what what Jesus's whole plan was yeah. for us. So um, in this, you know, you talk about how these two would be betrothed to one another, promised to one another, kind of go through a ceremony of sorts, but then the man would go away and prepare the home mm-hmm. and the bride would be in waiting mm-hmm. until... One day the groom has prepared his place and he comes at an unknown time yep. and gets his bride. Yep. And as soon as you said that, it was like the heavens opened. And yeah. I remember just like weeping because that is the story of our relationship with Christ Yep. and how he has gone to prepare a place for us. And if he goes to prepare a place for us, he will come back again. And we don't know a day or a time. And so that was what was so crazy about actually knowing and understanding the culture of that time and that, that historical ways and means of their, you know, marriage, uh, ceremony or whatever they went through is while it didn't make sense to us and our culture, um, knowing that brought greater understanding to the plan that Christ had for each of us in salvation. And boy, that was like so powerful. Um, and so that's just one example of why oh, yeah. it's so important to there, understand these things. There are so many parallels between the old Testament and the new Testament. And, and it, it's, it's not, it's not secret parallel. It's not a secret Bible code. It's clearly displayed mm-hmm. there. So for example, you, you read through the old Testament and God, um, gives instructions for the construction of this um, object of worship. They call it the Ark of the Covenant. And it, it's this kind of, um, it looks like kind of like a treasure chest. And on top of the treasure chest are supposed to be these two angels with wings. They're, they're made out of gold and they're gold-plated. And they're supposed to be covering the, the treasure chest with their wings. And it's called the Mercy Seat. And so the idea is that God would... Um, would uh, come and sit, his presence would be between these two angels hovering over this chest, and it would sit in the temple, and people would come, and they would make sacrifices, and the priest would go in and would meet with God and plead for forgiveness on behalf of, of the people, and they had to do that over and over and over and over again. So you read about this imagery in the Old Testament. Well, then you cut to the New Testament and you go to the Gospels. Easter's coming up. And one of the Gospel writers, in describing Jesus' resurrection from the dead, 
talks about how when they come to look for Jesus at the tomb, there are two angels, one standing on each side of the tomb, but the tomb is empty. Mm. It's a picture of the old Ark of the Covenant mm. where the two angels are standing there and where God's presence is supposed to be so that you can get forgiveness of sins, but you've got to keep coming and keep coming mm. and keep coming. Christ is risen. He no longer has to occupy that place anymore. So that's why he, the book of Hebrews says he died once for all, mm -hmm. and he doesn't have to keep dying again. His sacrifice was sufficient so that now when you come to, he doesn't sit on an earthly throne, he sits on a heavenly mm -hmm. throne now and you ask for forgiveness, it's done. Yeah. You don't have to keep sacrificing. You don't have to be, you are forgiven and you are transformed and you are made new. But we say you are, you are saved. That's imagery. That's culture that you're going to miss if you're, if you're not paying attention. Yeah. But if you look and if you're studying, if you read it and you start putting the pieces together, the kind of experience that you had mm -hmm. when those pieces fell into place, that's the kind of experience God wants for right. every believer. When those pieces start to fall into place, and you go, wow. When you realize that scripture is truly a love letter to us, it's, it's God's connection to us. It's him drawing closer to us and communicating with us. And we've put this thing on our shelf sometimes. And it's like, you know, if we opened it, breathing and living the words of God and seeing his plan of salvation and you know all the all the great and wonderful things all the great and wonderful attributes of him if you want to know God you have to read God you know? I, I, I heard another Bible scholar put it this way and I really like this <clears throat> he said um, you, you see a fish in the ocean or you fish in the lake Right. And and so you take the fish out and you throw them on the shore and you say, hey, you're free now. You, you don't have to be bound by uh, by that water. Go and live your life and do what you want to do and be who you want to be. And what's the fish going to do? The fish is going to flop on the ground and it's going to suffocate and it's going to die. Because the fish was made to live in the water. Well, all of us who have been born into this world, born into sin, are fish out of water. Mm. You know, we think we're free. We think we can do whatever we want, be whatever we want to be, and that there are no consequences, and we can just live this life. But the reality is we're all sucking air, and we're all flopping around, and we're all destined for, for destruction. The Bible is God calling us back to the water. The Bible is saying, here's how I meant for you to live. And here's the world as I meant for you to experience it with me at the center of it. And the Bible is calling us back to the water, back to true life and back to the life that, that we were meant to experience. I just got a visual of like people flopping around. <laughs> there you go. That's what, that's what popped into my head. Uh, so the last thing to keep in mind is doctrine, which is teachings or beliefs. Uh, Suss that out a little bit for us. Doctrine. Well, as as I as I was explaining in the sermon, it's just a reminder that you are not alone in studying the Bible. Um, not not only have people studied the Bible for thousands of years, including the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament. You know, but for 2,000 plus years since the development of the New Testament, people have studied this. And, and here again, a lot of people out there are criticizing Scripture and uh, raising all these kinds of objections and questions, not realizing that all of those criticisms and all of those objections have been dealt with over and over again for, for two millennia. And so there are resources out there. There are there are books and there are courses and things like that. You you are not alone. You are part of a Christian tradition. And while there are still ongoing disagreements right. about some aspects of Scripture, that doesn't negate the truth of Scripture. 
It just means we are still working to understand these things. But there are things that have been agreed upon, fundamentals of the faith, clear uh, clear understandings and interpretations of Scripture, and there are ways of approaching Scripture that have been openly condemned by the Christian faith. And you, and you need to know the history of those things. You need to know the history of Christianity because, again, it will enhance your understanding of Scripture it will help you guard against error, and it will help ensure that you are walking in truth. And it will guard you against swerving. Yeah. Might have <laughs> swerved. Right. Might have swerved. If you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to this sermon, because that part made me laugh Don't want loud. you to swerve. <laughs> don't want you to swerve. Uh, and then the bottom line is Satan does not want you to succeed in your Christian life. But God does. But God does. And so, you know... For Satan, it would be like, sure, keep that Bible on your shelf, collect yeah. dust. I don't want you to know the truth. Yeah. You know, because, boy, that that makes the job way easier on him. Yeah. Uh, or, hey, pull it down and, and just get you a little hit, get you a little little dopamine rush, get you a little, that's fine, too. fine with that, yeah. Sure. But if, if God left us an entire book of books, of all kinds of words... <laughs> Then there is no, there is no, uh, it's not like he's trying to keep it all a secret. Mm -hmm. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know him in, in a deep, intimate way. And so he has given us the gift of his word of scripture so that we can know him. And we have an opportunity to, to be closer to him and that, that communion and hear from him through his word. And so, boy, you know keeping it on the shelf is like saying i don't need a phone call from you I don't, we don't need to talk i'll believe in you and just keep rolling with my life and boy that would be a, a really sad way to live out mm. your relationships even in a human form with people yeah. so pick it up read it for knowledge and then study it for understanding and you may find yourself um in a, in a very eye-opening place i know the first time that i read through scripture for the first time even it was like oh that's the it all intertwines this calls back to this calls back to this um and then when when you're studying it you can actually draw those lines mm -hmm. and i remember at some point and it, it might have been during this series where you posted this like uh graphic that was this message it was this message yeah. okay you hear me describe it um about the connections between the two. Yes. Yeah, and so on. like all there's like this rainbow of lines where all of these scriptures call back to each other and mm. intersect. And it was amazing just in a visual sense to see that. And uh, I was even thinking about, you know, when you think about Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, you know, and there are four different accounts of the same events that are happening. And it's like, how can people refute that? I mean, I know they do all the time, but I read these things and I feel like it's amazing. I get four different takes on the same story and they all line up, Yeah, you know? And so that is kind of the, the wonder and the uh, am amazement well, you can go through when you read scripture and understand that, it. That's one of the things that changed Lee Strobel's life. Yeah. So there, there's something else if you're not familiar with that. Case for go, Christ. Go look up the case for Christ. Mm -hmm. Lee Strobel was uh, a self-proclaimed atheist, but he was an investigative journalist. I think he worked for the Chicago Tribune. Mm -hmm. His wife became an, a believer. She got saved. And so he set out to disprove the Bible, mm -hmm. but to do it as an investigative journalist. So he details in, in his book something like a two-year process where he interviewed and researched and talked. And at the end of it, after every effort on his part, uh, he, he became a believer mm -hmm. because he said, every time I tried to uh, use the techniques that had you know, made me a successful journalist, I kept coming up short of uh, discrediting this book. Yeah. So, and that's, that's the other thing too, that we have to, Study to show ourselves approved, mm -hmm. Scripture tells us. 
Uh, but we also need to pre be prepared to give an answer for why we believe what we believe. And if we don't mm -hmm. know what scripture says, mm -hmm. it's going to be really hard to answer people when they ask us questions. Yeah. Um, and so part of being an effective minister of the gospel, an effective um, you know, evangelist of the gospel is to know mm -hmm. what scripture says and be able to give uh, an accurate reason mm -hmm. as to what we believe, what we believe. So, you know, don't just stop at, you know, hearing a sermon on Sunday, yeah. open up your Bible, read your Bible, study your Bible, and you'll find yourself far more effective in your Christian walk and your Christian life and in what co God calls us to do, the Great Commission. Um, Take us out of here. All right. Well, actually, I was going to ask if you would uh, close us out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for um, sharing your word with us. I pray that as we are diligent to study, that you would open minds and hearts to receive your word, to understand your word, and to be transformed by it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Until next time. North Church of God is located in St. Joseph, Missouri. For more information, go to northcog.com. That's N-O-R-T-H-C-O-G dot com. <laughs>